tonight, I'm going to ask if Mike will come up. He's going to lead us in study tonight. So if you open your Bibles to Roman, uh, excuse me, Psalms 30 and up to 32, you're going to join? Okay. Thank you. Testing? Okay. good? I'll tell you, normally I'm not afraid to get up, but I don't know, God's put such a burden on my heart about being, <laughs> that I'm delivering God's word this time, that it really is, it was really difficult <laughs> uh, the last day or so. So uh, I just, uh, I thank you for the encouragement, Tim, because you really did encourage me. I'm going to open this in, in prayer, ask God's guidance, and thank you, Pastor, for coming and praying for me, too. Dear Lord God, I just pray, Lord, that I would empty myself totally, Lord God, and take this great responsibility of sharing your word, Lord, with others as the blessing that it is. I pray, Lord God, that I would be able to, uh, through you, bless those have, the way you have blessed me through this particular study, Lord God, and how you've been working in my life. So bless our time, Lord. Prepare hearts and be with Lynn and, and Brian also, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to trick you a little bit here because I'm going to, because of the flow of the Psalms, I want to go to Psalm 31 first. So if you go to Psalm 31, all right, and I named this one uh, uh, that we find shelter in a time of storm. You know, throughout my life, um, the book of Psalms has been my rest area. That's the first thing that I think of. And uh, you know, all of the troubles, like, you know, Lynn going through, I'm sure she's, you know, it, it seems to be the book with the most struggles in it, you know. And unfortunately today, you know, I, I got my license 45 years ago. <laughs> and back then, rest areas really meant something. Now you're going to take it another 10 years back further than that. When I was a little kid, we drove down to Florida, and boy, did you have to have these rest areas because the cars weren't as good as they are now, you know. They, you know, if you had the two- or three-year-old car, you had to have water in the back of the trunk, <laughs> right? <laughs> water in the back of the trunk and some extra oil. So you would stop at these rest areas, you know, and go in and, and, and check your temperatures. And, and I remember one time going to New Jersey with my father. Two time, the two times we went, and it was a newer car. It was my uncle driving, actually. He always had the newer car. And we overheated both times. And if it wasn't for the rest area and the water in the back of the trunk, <laughs> we would not have made it. But I think it serves as a good illustration because... When life is going good, when you have a good car, what do they use these rest stops for now? Oh, you just stop to get coffee or you stop to go to the bathroom. You don't even give it a second thought. And that's what it happened to me a lot of times during my life where, you know, you get so busy uh, that you start passing through and you're not really spending quality time. I mean, you, you might be reading, but it's not the same kind of reading that you are doing when you're in trouble. And in this particular psalm, you know, David... Is, he's at, he needs this rest area because he's being pursued uh, by Saul, and he's probably hiding in a, in a cave or somewhere along that line. But he starts off this psalm with a struggle. And you, it just, I just want you to try to imagine the place that he's in. If he's in a cave with probably 600 men, I, I don't know how this worked, you know, but where did they go to the bathroom? <laughs> you know, in fact, we know that's the case because Saul came in, right? And where do you go to the back? Where do you hide 600 men? All right? Meanwhile, God's given him a promise that he's going to be king, but I think he has some doubts that he's going to be king. So he sits down, and he starts to write this particular psalm, 
And, you, and you're going to hopefully see that I, I can deliver to you three things, all right? In the beginning of the psalm, we're going to see David's trial and his trust in the Lord. He had the trial, and he sits down and trusts. And as he goes through, right, the trial is overcome by the trust. He starts trusting in the Lord, and, and he starts to see that it's going to, be, it's going to work out. And then the last one is the triumph in the trust. So we, as we start, I'm just going to read the first verse here. And I'll be a little slow in the beginning. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. That is, as a believer, we have so much more than anyone else because they don't have somebody to go to in, their right, in his righteousness. We have to depend on our own. Well, that's what they try to do, right? But deliver me in thy righteousness. When you know the Lord, the Lord is going to deliver you. And, you know, even though David knows he made this promise, he has his doubts, right? So we go to the next one. Bow down thy ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Don't you really want to be delivered speedily all the time, right? That's the first thing. I wasn't going to bring this up, but God's brought it to my heart, so I will. Uh, years ago, uh, I bought three houses. You know, I was going to be Mr. Big, Big Shot, you know. <laughs> so I had the three houses, and the economy collapsed. I had three renters. Nobody paid me any rent, all right? I got $50,000 in debt, I, you know, and I just didn't see any way out of it. And that's why I know God is, is he's amazing because, I, you know, I wanted to tie, but I felt I really got to take care of my debts. You know, it's not right that I walk away from the debt. And God laid on my heart, uh, you give 3%, so I gave 3%, you know, and God blessed me with that. And I remember the one time I didn't. <laughs> I, things went wrong, you know, and I said, you know, you're right. I made, I made a promise, and I gave the 3%. Well, everybody in my work, we all had stock options, and everybody in my work uh, dropped the stock option because we didn't make any money on it. But I just said, well, you know what? The, the Lord's kind of telling me to keep it, so I kept it. And for every year, what I do is put my whole salary into the thing. I live off credit cards, and when I get the money, I pay it back with no gain. Well, this one year, the company gets bought out. This is, took five years company gets bought out, and they call me up, and they say, Mike, you have 5,000 shares. I go, I don't have 5,000 shares. I only got 1,000 because that was the one-year option. No, you signed a five-year option. You got 5,000 shares. You know, God gave me $50,000 to pay off my debt in full one shot. But you know what? If I was delivered speedily, <laughs> I would not have learned the lesson of how not to spend money. You know, and I thought of another illustration. We were watching this uh, cop show, you know, and they, where they chasing cars, you know, and, and, they, and then what they do is they interview the thief or the robber or whatever, and it was this young oriental company, couple in a car, and they're, and they're driving, and the cop's coming after him, and he's trying to get him, so, you know, they showed the interview with what the man was thinking, he says, you know, I just saw this, so I avoided that, and I went this way, uh, and he spoke broken English, you know, and then the cop was saying, yeah, when he did that, I went this way, and then finally, he pulled off at a stop, you know, and uh, the cop came out with his gun, figuring he's... And then he sees the man looking over the seat. The man says, my wife is pregnant. <laughs> and the cop says, I, I'm, I, I'm EMS trained. <laughs> and all of a sudden, from emergency, it went to, you know... And the funniest thing about this whole thing... So he was running from the guy that could do the best thing for him. He delivered the baby there. And when they, when they, when they got to that part with the cop, and they says... So what happened? He goes, it was a girl. He was, like, so excited that he delivered this baby. So sometimes, you know, speedily is not what we need. You know, sometimes we need to hear from, you know, God slowly. So be thou my strong rock for my house of defense to save me. 
You know, God's our strong rock, that shelter in the time of storm. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. All right, that's the trust. Right? I trust in the trial that he's having here. Now, if you, my Bible's different than you, I use King James Version. Uh, I can't understand all either, so don't, you know, <laughs> I have to dig in sometimes to understand some of the words because they talk in a different way, but if you, that's why it's not lining up. All right, pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. Into my, thy hand, hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me. O Lord, God of truth. Jesus said the same thing, right? Commit, you know, I commit my spirit you know, to, uh, uh, to the Lord. God's got a redemption center. He takes us and he redeems us and he makes us new again. And you can see the encouragement starting to change here. I have hated them that regarding, regard lying vanities, but I trust in the Lord. And you've got to imagine what's happening here. Saul's chasing David, right? So what is David doing? You know, he, he can't go into his town. It's just like he's a criminal. And so people that, uh, and we'll see as we go on a little bit more in the psalm, that, you know, would normally be his friend per se, were talking behind his back and afraid to associate with him because if they did, they would maybe become an enemy of Saul or it wouldn't be proper for them to move up. I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy for thou hast considered my trouble Thou hast known my soul in adversities and has not shut me up into the hand of my enemy. Thou hast set me free, uh, set my feet in a large room. Here's the overcoming. Have you ever been, and we're going to see as he goes on to this psalm a little bit more. Have you ever been, well, oh, there's so much trouble, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're, you're with the Lord, and all of a sudden you say, I'm in a special place right now. I, nothing can touch me. You know, I, I just feel safe. And that's what I believe, you know, is happening to him. So here's the overcoming part of it now. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am troubled. My eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent in grief, and my years are signing. My strength faileth because my iniquity and my bones are consumed. So there's also some maybe sin issue here with, 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 with David. Although what I find, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you know what your sin is, you know? And, and, so, and what does it do? It's a consumer. Sin consumes. It, it takes away. You know, but what David's good, David's good at is he was a good confessor too, which we're going to see later. You know, he, 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 was, he made quick work of his sin when he realized it was a sin. And I know, you know, sometimes, you, you, you know, when I was been in my old, hopefully I don't get this way again, but when I was very judgmental to other people all the time, you know, I used to say, well, Lord, I want you to show me all my sin, you know, and he did. <laughs> and I couldn't take it. I thought I was going to go insane. I said, no, I'll take them one at a time, you know. So, you know, you could look at somebody and say, well, that person's doing this, but you don't know, you know, God hasn't talked to them about that yet. Don't worry about it. It's his business, you know. But the thing is, sin does wear us. It, it, it ages us. It, it, it makes our stomachs feel bad, right? You, you get that feeling? I was approached among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors. This is the hard part. When people you go to church with, and I'm not saying there's anybody here that does that because I haven't seen it, all right, ever. But it is, I've had this happen to my, in my life, where people you're going to church with that you thought you were a friend, that you're neighbors, all right, they don't want anything to do with you because somebody thinks something different than you, all right? So here again, it was a uh, I'm a reproach among my enemies, but especially among my neighbors. 
and a fear to my acquaintances that they did see me without and fled from me. Why? Because they don't want to be associated with him anymore. You know, that, that's the hardest part. I've been reading Job, and it's been such a blessing. And, and last night, actually, I kind of, I was going to study this last night, and then I didn't. You know, because I was reading Job, and I wanted to, <laughs> I was getting so into Job. And then Uriah came over this morning, so I didn't get to study at all. So, you know, but it, it's such a blessing because these people all turned on him. He, his, he asked for help, and he gets three people that are supposed to come over and weep with him. And, and what I got out of it last night when I was reading is, you, you know, that clang, that, that clanking clang without the love? That's what their problem was. They, oh, they knew a lot about God. They had a lot of it right, but they had a lot of it wrong. And they didn't know that God had put his hand on Job the way he did. You know, it, it, that feeling where, you, you know, your neighbors are against you, right? And, and, they, and they don't want to be around you. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. But here is where God starts to use, I think, his power in us. Because when we feel there's nobody else, who do we turn to all the time? We like to say, oh, I always turn to God. But we always turn to somebody else a little bit, right? And, and put something. But when it's a broken vessel, that's where, you, that's where it starts. That's where God's grace starts is at the broken vessel. For I have heard the slander of many, and fear was on every side. While they took counsel together, together against me, they devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. Thou art my God, my shelter, right? Isn't, again, I trusted in you, Lord. You are my shelter. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the, the hand of my enemies and from them that will persecute me. Make my face to shine upon the servant. Save me for thy mercy's sake. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee let the wicked be ashamed, and let them be silent in the grave. Now, see, I don't even pray for that. <laughs> let them be slain and put in that grave so I don't talk anymore. <laughs> uh, let the lying be, lips be put to silence, uh, which speak grievously things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in a secret of the presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the stripes of tongues. Here he is where he starts to have that tremendous triumph, you know, the victory. He's alone with God. And I, I'm going to read you something that happened to me uh, a while back because this is such a special place. And sometimes in this place... You think this is, you know, something's really wrong here with me, you know. Uh, Blessed be the Lord, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, this is, you know, David had a promise. I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thy eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplications when I cried unto thee. God, hear, God hears us even though we don't, you know, in Job, uh, it starts off in that book where God removes the hedge of protection. But one of the other chapters, he said, Job said, I'm hedged in. You know, the thing that really bothered him is he felt like God can't hear me. <laughs> I'm hedged in here because God wasn't going to hear him because God was doing his will in his life. And, he, and, and that, you know, that is the biggest loss, I think, of anybody. If you feel God, all right, is not there. And I'm sure when Job found that he was there afterwards, it was a, it was a great blessing. 
It says, uh, verse 23, O Lord, O love the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewarded the proud doer. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. All right, so God's going to come and strengthen your heart. Now, years ago, I went on a retreat, and I made it there. (laughs) Even with... (laughs) And by by the way, that was the other thing I was going to mention. You know, when... uh, Back in the days of rest areas, we didn't have phones in the car. We didn't have the GPSs, you know. Uh, that's one thing I do like. If I'm in the woods and I get lost, I can call somebody to find me, hopefully. Uh, but when I, when one time, you know, I was working and I was getting kind of successful in my career. And I was reading. I was reading the Word of God and, you know, doing that. But I think a lot of it was going through motion sometimes. You know, it's not the heartfelt. So I got to this Camp de Wolf, and I believe Gail Irwin was there, and he was preaching. And I don't remember any of the preaching, but you know what happened? I couldn't sleep, which is not, you know, not unusual for me at retreats. I, I couldn't sleep. So I walked all night. And as I'm walking, and, and, and for two nights I did this, as I'm walking, you know, I, I feel God's not hearing me. I felt hedged in, you know, so... I wrote, I, well, I'll tell you, just have to tell you this little part here. What happened was I broke my, my Kindle, so I'm not electronic anymore. I had to go back to the old stuff. So I cleaned out a desk, and I found these things I wrote 10 years ago. <laughs> just at the time I'm doing Psalms, you know. But there's a batch in them in here, because I used to write my own Psalms. Because when I heard about Psalms, and, and, and when I was not saved as a, 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 going to Catholic, I always wanted to write Psalms like David, you know. So... I found this, and I start to read it, and I go, and I have the date, 11-11-93, Camp D. Wolf, Long Island, Calvary Chapel Men's Retreat. <laughs> On the heavy, sorrowful feeling. So I'm going to read it. It's not really great, but it's from the heart. <laughs> you know, and I want to show you what one person's word of encouragement can do for somebody with this. All right? Lord, help me to come near you. Lord, like I've done in the past. I long for those times when I heard you speak to my heart. And I answered back, yes, Lord. Lord, I pray if there is something that I'm doing that's restricting my relationship with you, that you would make me aware of it and that I may overcome. Lord, I seek to sup with you all day long. My flesh has fixed me, but my heart's desire is to draw near to you. I remember the days not long past when you were my every thought. When I worked, I knew you were there. When I ate, I knew you were there. Today, I know you're at my side, but I don't seem to be near you. Lord, light my fire. Help me join near you. Show me what needs to be fixed and give me the tools to overcome. I praise you, my glorious God, my Lord, my Savior, my Master, my friend. And, uh, <clears throat> but when I wrote that, I didn't feel happy about it. You know, and St. Augustine one time says, when you're happy, you cry. <laughs> when sometimes when you're sad, you laugh. You know, it's weird, you know, but I, I didn't get that out of it when I wrote it, you know. And so I went to one of the men, and, you know, sometimes you go to men, they say, well, you know, maybe you have sin in your life, just like Job, you know. They really encourage you, you have sin in your life. <laughs> and I couldn't put my finger on anything, you know. So I went to this one man, Jim Delaney, and he says to me, Mike, you know what that sounds like to me? Sounds like Jacob. Here's what you do. You take a stone in your mind and you place it, and you'll never forget this. So the first thing when I picked this up, (laughs) that's what I remembered. The stone 
this is probably one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> and, you know, and I wrote it out. I, I'm not going to be the other one, but later that same, before I went home, I wrote a psalm, uh, psalm rest. <laughs> so God gave me spiritual rest, even though I had no physical rest. I think I probably slept three hours the whole time. <laughs> I slept during the day. Ah, anyway, so I hope I bless you with that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go now to, to Psalm 30. And this is, this is a psalm where a psalm of realization, all right, and it's finding what thou hast done, what God has done. This, this, psalm of, uh, this is a psalm where he's out of the wilderness. That's why he put them in the order they're in. And he's going to build a house. In fact, this comes from 2 Samuel 5, 11 and 12. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messages to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. And David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel. Whoa. <laughs> you know, it's like that moment when I found this. David's like, wow, everything God told me, he did. Well, you look at this. This is, this is the psalm that he's writing. Now, I took an outline. I, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but I liked his outline because I think it kind of relates a little bit, too, with, um, uh, I guess, with salvation. You know, uh, the outline he has here is like salvation first, sanctification, thou hast. And you're going to see as I go through it, resurrection, preservation, all right, established, and exalts, you know, where God exalts. I liked his, his outline. And so when I go through this, I'll try to touch on that a little bit, all right? But so could you imagine, though, you're in a place and you perceive all of a sudden that God has done this thing he's told you he's going to do in your life, and you're, you're knocked over by it. You go, wow. I, I, you know, I remember where uh, I, I knew I was being called to be, like, a, a youth leader, and, but my, our church didn't have one, you know? And I, I tried, you know, he tried physically because you knew God said this. You know, I'm sure David went through this kind of thing, and everybody else has. So I went out, and I got a basketball, and I tried to play with the kids on the street, and it not, that didn't work, you know. <laughs> and I was, I was so frustrated. I remember one time one of the uh, preachers came in, a, a, you know, traveling preacher, and I came up, and I was in tears. I says, I don't know. And he says to me, Mike, wait. Wait on the Lord. That's a really hard thing to do sometimes, you know, wait. You know, and then one day... Uh, we, you know, we got up too late for church, and I said, well, there's a church down the block. Let's go. And this is like a year or two later, you know, and I'd given up on the idea, and I walk in that church, and when we walked out, even though it wasn't a Calvary Chapel, none of them, they, they said, let's stay here. And I said, you know, it's right in the neighborhood. Why not? You know, so I stood there, and then I wind up that God, you know, used that, and then all of a sudden, as we, I, I became, like, you know, the youth leader, that I could see God working in my life. So I, I just had to wait on the Lord. It wasn't in the, in the cards yet. You know, God didn't have it set up for me yet. So this is what, you know, so when this happens, it's a realization psalm. I will exalt thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up, and thou hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. You know, he could be thinking back into that cave that he was in, looking like, hey, I'm going to be chopped down any minute, and all of a sudden, Wow. And that's the salvation. You know, and, and the reason I, I like this guy's outline was that there's been times, especially when we went to that soul food festival, where I'm witnessing to somebody, and you could see that they're really hearing, and all of a sudden you could feel <laughs> there's some distractions coming in, and it, it's like there's a batch of, you know, 
principalities and powers trying to stop you. And, you know, and, and you're kind of, you're praying and talking at the same time. I don't know how he can even do it, but you're praying and talking at the same time, and, and, and you don't know if you're going to win, you know. Uh, there, there was one person I, I, I did for a year. I drove from uh, Long Island to New York City. Uh, my husband had gotten saved. He was a cousin of mine. He was a drug addict. And she was a drug addict. Neighbors came down. They got saved, you know. And, but this woman would not. And this one day I'm sitting there and I'm witnessing to her. And, and I, I, I looked at it and it was draining me so much. And I actually saw... <laughs> You know, the spirit, an evil spirit, I really did. You know, it was just like, I can't believe this. And I, I, it drained me totally. You know, when I went back the next week, she knew. And she said to me, she said, I, I don't know what came over me. She goes, I'm really sorry. Now, she didn't get saved. And I says, you know, she was 30 years old. And I tell you about sin consuming. She looked about 60, you know. And, you know, she, she didn't want to accept the Lord, the Lord because she would have to stop drinking and, 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 and she would stop her, have to stop her welfare check. She would have to get a job. And it was just a, such a, a, a horrible thing. But to, that's what we're battling against, you know. So the foes did not rejoice over. When somebody gets saved, those fo foes flee. <laughs> you have victory, you know. You have, you have victory. All right. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. Again, another thou hast. Thou hast healed me. Sanctification, you know, where God continually heals us. I had the privilege. I'm not very handy with my hands, and I had to come in here, you know, to work, and I'm glad that Robbie, you know, put me to easy work because uh, I spackled one time at a church, and they had to redo the whole thing. <laughs> but he gave me a, a little easy thing to do. You, you say you don't see any. Wow, it's pretty good. There were, <laughs> there were all mills and things that were fixed, and I got to cover them. <laughs> and I says, wow, that's not as good as what God does. <laughs> I covered them, but if you put that paint off, you could see it. But God makes it whole again, you know. So I felt like, wow, this is pretty cool. I like this job, <laughs> and I can't mess it up, you know. So he, you know, he, he fixed all the work I did. But that sanctification where God cleanses us. Oh, Lord God, thou hast brought my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. The resurrection, we are promised the resurrection. We're going to rise from the dead. David, you know, in that tent felt that he was forsaken, right? And here he is now, king over a nation, sitting over a nation. And these three psalms flow together very well because you're going to see where David shirked his responsibility. But he's over a nation, uh, and God did this all. Whatever God told him, came to pass. So if there's anybody in here that, you know, God's laid on something on your heart, you know, you trust in the Lord, you wait on the Lord, you know, and if you're weeping, that's probably, it is probably from God if you're weeping, you know, and, and you just wait on the Lord, and, and he's going to deliver. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at his remembrance of his holiness. Can any man stand before God? Holiness? We can't, you know, but uh, God... God's preservation, you know, he, he deems us righteous to stand before it. It's in thy righteousness through Jesus Christ. You, you know, people in the world that do not know Jesus don't have this. What's the natural reaction if anybody has religion? I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. They don't have that. Even when you mess up again, God picks you up again. <laughs> you know, you, you mess up again, God still picks you up. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life 
Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. You know, when I, when I read that one about the joy coming in the morning, just, I, you know, just cannot, every time I see the word joy, think of that verse in the Bible where, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know, we have the joy that was set before him, and Christ endured the cross. So joy cometh in the morning. You know, and actually, too, he resurrected in the morning, too, right? And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. And I don't think David means that he said it. He just realized that God established. What was God's promise to him? God's promise was that his line was going to be a line where Christ came from, and his line would be king forever. You know, and, and so the Lord established him. <clears throat> Lord, by thy favor thou hast made my mountain to stand strong. Whose favor? It was God. God decided this, and his mountain's going to stand strong. Thou, thou didst hide my face, and I was troubled. I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplications. You know that time back when he was struggling? You know, uh, he felt God wasn't there? You know, I cried, Lord. I made prayer to you, and the Lord delivered him. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Shall I thus praise thee? Shall it declare thy truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, Lord. Be thou my helper. Thou hast turned for me mourning into dancing. You know, uh, that, that's how you feel when you, when you have that victory. And you know, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get to this particular place? Oh, my goodness. It's the Lord. And you start dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be sound, O Lord, my God. I will give thanks to thee forever. Now, I'm going to take you back to that verse, though. <laughs> and I'm going to read you two other things here. Uh, the one we started with in 2 Samuel 5, 11 and 12. Let me make sure I got the right one here. Yeah, okay. And David perceived that the Lord has established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. That was the responsibility that he had, for his people Israel's sake. You know, each one of us, you know, when we got saved, we're saved and here for the sake of others. You know, for those in the church and to go out and to tell other people about Jesus. And, you know, so... It is as we are delivered, we are delivered to a responsibility. But we've got to be careful that we don't lose, as David did here, that responsibility for a time. And the next verse says in 13, And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem after he was come out of Hebron. All right? That was a mistake. <laughs> Twofold, you know. One, for his fleshly, feeding the flesh desire. And two, was he, he was taking matters into his own hand because he's saying, well, if I make alliances with this one and I make an alliance with that one, I'll be okay and, you know, my kingdom will last forever. Well, who said the kingdom was going to last forever? It was God, wasn't it? And the more alliances you bring in, the more other problems you bring in because you probably, you know, you bring all these different fractions in. So now he had a problem, you know, and, and this problem leads from one thing to the other. Um, and one thing I, uh, let me see from my page here. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
one of the th I had a great illustration of this. Robbie can attest to this. We went to another trunk or treat <laughs> the day before we went to the trunk or treat here, and it was really a in church thing. It wasn't really they were they were just trying to keep keep the kids off the street. So we bring in Uriah, you know, and this is why it's not good to feed the flesh because <laughs> you can see this through an illustration of a child, though, right? Because Uriah sees oh candy uh, was that yeah the the the, the uh, Cotton candy, cotton candy. He ate the whole thing. It's a sticky mess. I take him in. I wash him out. We come back out, and my, my daughter, not Jess, uh, Brooke, Jessica, want a cake. And all he said, cake, 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 <laughs> cake, cake. So I give him, one, I give him a, a, you know, one cake, you know. So then I'm going up. I get some food, and all the tables. This is a gym. This is a huge place. Cake. Cake, cake. I'm like, I want to eat a piece of cake. I, I took a small little one. I want to eat. I couldn't even eat it. Cake, cake. Because I know too much cake is no good. He don't know that. Cake. I want that. I want that. I had to take him outside. <laughs> and then when I took him back in again. Cake, cake. The only word. Am I right? <laughs> the only word out of his mouth. Cake. You know. And and this is the problem that David's gonna have. You know. Uh, let me first. So we're gonna. Um, Let's see my verse here. We're going to turn to 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 13, because <clears throat> this will illustrate the problem better for us. Okay. All right, so uh, 2 Samuel 12, uh, 1 through 13. Uh, is that one? Yeah, I think it is. Okay. And the Lord said unto Nathan, uh, the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, and one rich, and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ear lamb, or ooh lamb, I can't say that right, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. And it did he eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter." And then there came a travel on to the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and out of his herd to dress from the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for that man that was come unto him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against that, the man. And he said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. So it was only up to seven. I don't know why I had that whole thing down. And he said... And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, David, thou art that man. All right? David took the cake where he shouldn't have took it from, right? <laughs> and what was his responsibility? It was to the people, to serve the people. And now he's kind of blasphemed God, didn't he? And, and you know, Two of the three people that got saved, I told that story to. And it is the greatest illustration of God's grace. And the reason that I was able to do that, one day at work, they were fighting over, uh, you, know, can, you know, all religious people. They're nothing, they have, believe me, they're not, not godly at all. But they're saying, you know, they're telling God how to judge, you know. God can't forgive a serial killer. God can't forgive this. God can't forgive that. So I came over to them, and I said, let me tell you a story. <laughs> and I told them that story. And when I said, David, thou art that man, one guy 
went like this and took two steps back. And he says, Mike, I'm not a religious man, but that almost made me cry. And then I realized, you know, that's why when I feel the Lord leading, I'll use that story. Because what does that show? It shows God's grace. That meant David should have not gotten God's grace. No way. No way. And yet, you know, God, you know, you know if, if, if you're faithful and just, he'll, you know, he'll forgive your sins. So we're going to go back now to, to chapter uh, Psalm 32. And I named this Psalm, Finding the Day of Surrender. <laughs> and a good illustration for this, when I said the day to myself, you know, I'm saying, how about D-Day? Well, you know, when we landed in Normandy, what was the purpose of that landing? The purpose of that landing was, we told them when we went, unconditional surrender. No terms. That's it. We're coming in, no terms. You know, but nobody had to tell David that. <laughs> All right, so as we go through the psalm. You know, Nathan said it to him, and, and David melted and says, you know, I mean, he could have had Nathan killed. Now, I mean, most of the other leaders would have killed him, you know, they, because their God, a lot of time, was just a show to keep the people under control, all right? But, uh, but, but here is a, just a tremendous picture of God's tremendous grace. <clears throat> he says, blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered, all right? And I think it's more than covered like I was doing there, but his sin's washed away. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. It is not counted against them. Right? They don't, you know, they're relieved. When I kept silent, my bones waxed old. There's that, that thing again, right? Sin is the consumer. He was keeping this in, trying to hide it and trying to cover it and get away with it, and it's destroying him. And what good of a leader could he be while he's in that kind of sin anyway? Because he's not thinking with his right mind, you know. You know, but but Nathan, God comes to Nathan to confront him. So when somebody comes, sometimes you know, and I'm I, I'm sure everybody's like me, you know. Somebody tell you to do something wrong, your first reaction is tell them you're, you know, nah. Uh, but I've learned, you know, I still do that. <laughs> I learned to go back though and say, let me check this out. Maybe there's something to this, you know. Maybe there is something that I can fix in here. So he says, when I kept silent, my bones whacked old, my roaring all of the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer. Oh, boy, this sin age. It, it, you know, he, he, he's so, like, I got people getting nervous. I was dry. I was still getting dry. You know, you, you, I, I, I can't even breathe, you know. You know, you think about that deer panting for the water. He probably knows he's missing that. All right, before he makes his confession. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity I have not hid. I said, well, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. This is the place we need to be. You know, my prayer is on this, when I, when I was studying and praying, that one of two things. You know, if, there, if there's anybody that's struggling with anything, that they can work that out with the Lord through this psalm because it is a blessed psalm. Of, it's a psalm of grace. What you're missing is grace. And sometimes people walk around and maybe they're not saved. They, they uh, know of the Lord. You know, you see that a lot where people know of the Lord, but they don't know the Lord. And that, you know, uh, where they, you, you make that unconditional surrender. Hey, I surrender. And you know what? I, I've messed up, you know, and I surrendered again. 
Unfortunately, I was telling Pastor one day, you know, I love that song, I Surrender All. I just don't do it. <laughs> I try, but it don't last more than five minutes, you know. <laughs> as soon as that next piece of cake comes, you know, you grab for it. But the thing is, it comes to a, 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 a time, you know, where you're alone, like that time I had there, where it's a special time. You're alone with the Lord, you know, where you can surrender all for a few moments. All right? For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. One of the things I always try to tell somebody when they're close to getting saved and they don't, or, you know, you know uh, seek the Lord while he's near. Because, you know, if you don't know the Lord, you know, um, I try to get away from the Lord from times. There's other ones I read in here where, you know, I was trying to get away and I, you know, God just, you know, he got that thing they, they used it for the sheep. <laughs> back in here, you know, back in here. So, you know, I tried, I tried to get away a couple of times and I, and, I, and I couldn't. But when you don't have that, when you don't have the Lord tugging on your heart and you walk away from somebody that has the spirit and is telling you about God, it's very difficult. Uh, to get saved because you start to harden. We have one sister-in-law. Uh, I, I went on a retreat with her husband, and I thought he got saved, you know, but he went home and told her, and she almost got saved at a woman's thing, and now she wants nothing to do with it. She came that close, and yet, you know, and, and you know, now it's, you know, all works. Well, I'm a good person, you know, and, and if, they, if you want to see the good person, read some of the stuff that they told Job. It's, it's true, you know. <laughs> you know, if you're good, what difference does it make? <laughs> Does it make any difference to God? Does it add anything to his creation? No, nah, not really. <laughs> you know, if you, if you do good, that's all right. That helps somebody, but it's not, it doesn't do anything for God. You know, but, you know, uh, you know when, when you're near to God, you've got to grab him. If he's tucking on your heart, you know, you don't have to do it here. You know, you go home, say, hey, Lord, you're tucking in my, on my heart about this thing. Let me, get, let me get this resolved. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. All right? Uh, the deliverance. So, you know, uh, what happens when you have a time like that? You, you want to sing. <laughs> you know, you want to dance before the Lord like David did. You know, I, that's one of my favorite songs. You, know, David, like, you want to dance like David danced, you know? I, yeah, actually, I thought of you, Tracy, because you always sing. You break out into singing. I would do that, but I would scare everybody. So <laughs> I said, good thing Pastor told me to shut this mic off when I went to the chair because I was singing. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to scare everybody. But, you know, if you notice, every one of these psalms, in a way, when he started to talk about it, he started to praise God, you know. And, you know, and each of us are so entwined and necessary for each other. It amazes me. I, I, when I didn't make the retreat, I, I was working out to a... Uh, God of Wonders tape. It was, oh, it, was, it was such a blessing. And when I saw the snowflakes, I was saying, boy, I'm kind of weird, you know, as a person goes as, as a Christian. But look, at the, all of them are kind of shaped the same way, and they fit together. I says, boy, you know, and before I could finish saying that to myself, then the, the announcer came on and goes, do you think this is an accident? This is what the church is like. I said, well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but, you know, each one has a unique gift or an ability that may not seem right to us, may be offensive sometimes to us, but, you know, uh, each one is important at, to, to God's body. It says, I will instruct thee, and I will teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. God's speaking to his heart now. I will guide thee with my eye. You know, uh, this is the way you want to be guided, you know. Be not as a horse or a mule, which has no understanding, whose mouth must be held in a bit or a brittle, brittle, Bridle, bridle, at least they come near unto thee. 
you don't want to be like the beast where God's got to keep pulling you. You know, uh, I've done that a lot. I'm sure I'm going to do it more in my life, but it's been less and less as you get older. One of the things you kind of learn after a while is, you know, you know, instead of always being right, you're probably always wrong. <laughs> so, so if you, something's not right, you go and you find out why. Uh, it says, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusted in the Lord's mercy shall compass him about. We will find God's mercy when we lay ourselves before him. Yeah, I had a friend of mine one time. I said, you know, I keep trying to be that living sacrifice, you know. And he's another guy of wisdom. You know, it's this first church I went to. It was, it was great because they had very quiet, very strange people like me, I guess, you know. Real quiet guy, never talked. And I went and I was telling him, you know, I just can't help it. He goes, well, that's the problem with the living sacrifice, Mike. They keep getting off the altar. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's profound. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> we keep getting, I didn't even know I got off the altar. I, you know, how many times you sit down? I'm reading my Bible. You sit down. I forgot my coffee. <laughs> get my coffee. You know, I feel like having a cookie now. It's like, well, get a cookie, right? Does that not happen? That, that's our flesh. You know, we just like, you know, it, it's just hard to be a living sacrifice. It's hard to surrender all. But, you know, uh, God has us work in this life, so we surrender a little bit at a time, and we go out and do his work. And I want to encourage you, that's the great thing about getting right with God. That's the greatest blessing about being at this church because... You know, I don't probably believe, as everybody else does, on certain issues. Nothing really big. But in other churches, I had problems. Like, you know, I was at a Baptist church. Nobody talked to me in a Baptist church anymore because they thought I believed one. Like, you know, I, I like the King James, but I don't think the King James is the only word of God. And they wouldn't talk to me about that. I, I was like an outcast. You know, then I went to the other church, and they, well, they, you know, they didn't talk to me because I didn't believe it. And I'm like, you know, so I was a total outcast for a while. But you know what? That got me close to God. You know, and, and then I come here, you know, and, and believe me, all my doctrine is almost 99.9% the same. But some people take that, you know, that little bit of difference and want to divide over it. And there's no reason to divide. And God's just given me so many opportunities here. You know, I, I'll tell you, the nursing home, uh, that has been, I preach this way. There's a mirror coming back and it's preaching to me. <laughs> and... I, I've learned so much, and by the way, you guys are really attentive, you know. I used to preach before teenagers, they're crawling under the chair. I had to stop it because I had no supervision. I had 30 kids, no supervision, and I say, Chad, get out from under that chair. Sit up on the chair now, and then I go back to preaching, you know. Then you go to the nursing home, and you got people falling asleep on you, <laughs> and I learned how to loud your voice and make it lower, you know, and uh, I, one time, every one of them fell asleep. I says, well, well, <laughs> this is for me. And I just kept preaching, you know. And two or three girls, ladies woke up, and they, were, they listened to the last like five or ten minutes, and they were blessed. And I'm like, holy cows. <laughs> but I learned a lot, you know, because you do it because God gave you to do it. But anyway, I went there. I didn't want to preach anymore at all because I, uh, I could preach okay, but I'm not a good teacher. You know, you take somebody like Craig, they're a good teacher, you know, Tim, because they're very diligent in everything. You know, I'm more of, I used to run companies, I guess, you know. I, I, I get the love thing, I want to, but I know the importance. I knew I couldn't be a pastor one time when I was reading the Bible, and I came across a verse in, in Timothy where you must guard that treasure. It was a different version, so I can't remember the verse exactly. But if, as a pastor of a church, you must guard that treasure, the word of God, diligently. You know, I don't have that responsibility. But people who teach have that responsibility. It's very, very, you know. So I have a little bit of leeway, you know, uh, you know, where I can, you know, talk to anybody and get along with them. 
But, you know, as a pastor, you have to hold to those things, you know. So, um, but anyway, when I went to the nursing home, I went because I didn't want to preach. I thought I was going to clean dishes. That's what I thought I was going to do. Then all of a sudden they said to me, oh, no, you're, we need a preacher. I'm like, and I says, oh, my goodness. It came to me like that. God, you tricked me. <laughs> you tricked me. But I felt, you know what, if, if I got here by accident, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> you know, God wanted me. God says, you're okay, you can, you can do this, you know. And so it was a blessing. So I'll just finish with this verse. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Again, that, that praise that comes out of having your sins washed away. Wouldn't it be great? If every day we got up, it was like when you first got saved. You know? I mean, I, when I got, first got saved, I went and I told everybody about Jesus, and everybody's looking at me like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I had no facts, no nothing. You know, I you know, didn't know anything of the word of God, and I'm telling everybody. But you don't understand. These sins came off me, you know, and they just didn't get it, you know. So I, you, don't, you can't be at that place either, right? But you, you, you want to have that enthusiasm to go out. And I'll tell you, there's no greater joy than seeing somebody restored to God or to see somebody get saved and then, you know, start going. Like, you know, some of the people that got saved, we don't know what happened. I mean, I pray on and off for them that, you know, God would work in their life. But I know he did in me, you know. So he did bring me around to somebody. So, you know, I, so I, I hope that, you know, this is a blessing to you like it was to me to have the opportunity. And uh, God just did ease my heart. And thank you for the encouragement because I was really very afraid to come up. And I hope I didn't say anything wrong. And if, you, if I did, tell me <laughs> so I can fix it because, uh, you know, uh, you know I, I, I understand that responsibility that comes with preaching, you know, the word of God. So I just thank you so much. I'm just going to close in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for your word, Lord God. I thank you for being with me through this, Lord God, and uh, just easing my attention, Lord. I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone, Lord God, that uh, uh, needs to do any confessing, that when they go home tonight, Lord, they would take care of it. If there's anyone that is not saved, Lord, that they would come to a saving knowledge of you. And, Lord, to all of us, I just thank you for the blessing of your word, that we have a place to go, Lord God, to confide with you one-on-one. -on -one. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.